Six minutes after the hour. Hey, it's the Around the House program. Good to have you with us here. Uh, thank you for sharing your weekend. Uh, we're so glad you're with us. And I'm Ken Moon. We'll be here a couple hours talking about that special place that you and I call home. And we'd be delighted to have you participate, as they say, and simply uh, call 719-473-1240. 473-1240 is our contact line and we have live email at aroundthehouse.com and chris is uh, on the other side of the glass and we're all set to go our sneakers are all laced up right chris and i thought it was snow boots we're yeah, ready to rock and roll yeah i don't if you heard lately how much snow tomorrow not a ton i guess huh but uh one to three yeah one to three yeah. one to four yeah yeah well we knew it was coming someday i guess but anyway i hope you're man i hope that you all your sprinkler systems are are uh, drained because with my house when i got up this morning it was 23 and uh, we've talked about this before at about 27 fahrenheit is when water expands enough to break pipes so anything you know down in that uh, high 20s mid 20s you're going to have trouble if you didn't drain your system uh, and get the pressure out of it i hope uh, you're all ready to go i've got the hoses disconnected that's something that some people forget it's important to disconnect the hoses because they'll freeze uh, also. Uh, and uh, Chris, a l- little lower level on my headphones, please. That would be great. So I've got a list here for you. You know, we've we've made fun of Southern people with redneck lists over and over again. And so I've got a list here sent in by Alan Bev, contributors to the program, uh, that talks about blue necks, Okay you got to buy the premise if you're going to buy the bit. Blue necks are northerners, the opposite of rednecks. Because of redneck jokes, here are some takes of how southern folks look at northerners or how northerners sometimes think of themselves. All right, here we go. You might be a blue neck if, instead of referring to two or more people as y'all, you call them you guys, even if both are women. If you think barbecue is a verb, meaning to cook outside. (laughs) I like that. If you think Heinz ketchup is really spicy, you might be a blue neck if you don't have any problems pronouncing Worcestershire sauce correctly. Uh, So, yeah, maybe that's a blue neck. For breakfast, you'd prefer potatoes au gratin instead of grits. If you don't know what a moon pie is, you have probably never watched a moon pie in a microwave. That's an awesome thing. I've never, never done that. You might be a blue neck if you've never heard of R.C. Kohler or if you've never, ever eaten okra. You eat fried chicken with a knife and fork, you're a blue neck. If you have no idea what a polecat is, you know what a polecat is, Chris? I think that's a skunk. I think so. Yeah. You might be a blue neck if you don't see anything wrong with putting a sweater on your dog. Or you would rather have your son become a lawyer than grow up to get his own TV fishing show. You might be a blue neck if you've never planned your summer vacation around a gun and knife show. Or if you think more money should go to important scientific research at your university than to pay the head football coach's salary. You might be a blue neck if you don't even have one can of WD-40 somewhere around the house. I've got two or three at home, actually. Or if you don't have any hats in your closet that advertise feed stores. You might be a blue neck if you have more than one professional sports team in your home state. Yeah, that's kind of a northern thing, isn't it? Or if you call binoculars opera glasses. Uh, Let's see here. You might be a blue neck if you can't spit out the car window without pulling over to the side of the road. 
Or if you can't spit without opening your mouth. That's, that's, oh gosh. You might be a blue neck if you don't know anyone with at least two first names like Joe Bob and Mary Joe and Bubba Dean and all that. Or if you don't know any women with male names like Tommy, Bobby, Johnny, or Jimmy. Uh, and um, you might be a blue neck if you don't have any mamas, mimas, or pawpaws. And finally, you might be a blue neck if none of your fur coats is homemade. So that's pretty pretty neat list there. So that's the opposite of a redneck. And I've got, I'm sorry to say, i probably got 10 or 15 redneck lists. We'll do some other, some other day. It's easy to make fun of those charming people down south, isn't it? Anyway, 719-473-1240 is our telephone number. It's a... Uh, uh, a little uh, 11 minutes after the hour. I want, oh, I want to make sure I promote. We have a guest today in the second hour of the program, John Creddy, who's with us every, oh, I don't know, couple of months, something like that, our gardening with an altitude guy. John is an expert horticulturist and, and, and just an expert in anything to do with lawn, lawns and gardens. And uh, I just enjoy having him as a guest, and I know you do too. There's a, there's a polecat. Is that a skunk? Does that look like a hedgehog? Sort of huh. like like a like a woodchuck, huh? Like a muskrat? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I was I thought it was a skunk, but maybe maybe not. Anyway, I have to do some more research uh, on that. Anyway, John will be with us two o'clock hour. We'll talk about how to wrap things up at your house for the season. About the last fertilizing, if you haven't done that, maybe aeration. How to get the garden ready for winter, and and maybe some questions because John's very good with anything to do with plants and he'll maybe talk about house plants and all that stuff so john's a great guest we'll look forward to having him uh having him with us uh i've got some oh some uh, a cute article on uh, uh the climate change nonsense uh this guy lives down in florida and we had a hot summer and he instead of uh, uh, dancing up and down and, and, and shaking in his boots because the summer was really hot. His whole thesis is, yeah, it's hot in the summer. It always is. And it was some perspective on are there more storms than there used to be? Uh, is, is it hotter than it used to be? Is it is the weather worse than it used to be? And we'll talk about that. I've, I've, that's one of my favorite topics. And you may see an editorial in the Gazette today about uh, EV cars, how they're just falling out of favor. Every day there's another article with the manufacturers or of car manufacturers putting off building a battery plant or more in, putting off more investment in EV cars because nobody wants EV cars. It reminds me there's an old, and I'm, I'm not going to uh, remember this totally correctly, but there's an old thing in marketing about this ad agency in New York City. They'd hired an intern, a college kid for the summer, who was interested in advertising, and he was sitting in the corner of the boardroom, and they were they were had a big client, a dog food client. And the dog food just wasn't selling like they had thought it was going to when they took on the campaign. So they're going through, should we do coupons? Should we redesign the can? Should we go more radio or more TV or should print? Or how about the internet where we're utilizing the World Wide Web? And should we create an app? And on and on and on. This went on for 45 minutes or so with 10 or 12 of these uh, $1,000 silk suit uh, uh, men and, and women all dressed to the nines in their business clothes and everybody scratching their foreheads. And uh, finally, from the corner, this little intern raised his hands 
and said, sir, yeah, what is it? What is it? He said, the dogs don't like the food. So that's that's a lesson in marketing. Forget marketing. If the, if your product is no good, and EV cars are coming kind of coming into that into that uh, fold or into that um, sort of um, I don't know category, people just don't want electric cars, and it's just sort of uh, the dogs don't like the food kind of thing. I think I love that little uh, analogy. Um, so that that's kind of we'll have that that a little later in the uh, in the hour, uh, and um, we uh, I wanted to mention um, podcasting. Uh, I, I know Dan and Justin Hermes were talking about um, my, uh, the podcast of the Around the House program this week. One of my one of my listeners emailed me said they were talking about how you're you're outstripping them podcast wise, and and I hope we still are. We are. I'm so grateful that you've made the podcast of the around the house program kind of a big deal around here we usually lead the pack month by month and so um we um, are, are grateful for that as i say we have podcasts now going back 16 17 months and uh, we'll put this one up from today a couple hours after we go off the air but they're right there segment by segment if you go to aroundthehouse.com click on listen to podcast they'll be right there for your listening dining and dancing pleasure so uh thank you for for making the podcast pretty popular of the program. And if and, you have to happen to step away during the show today, you can also listen back to the uh, interview with John Creddy coming up. That's a great a great point. Maybe you can only listen to the first hour, not both hours. You know, and that, it's Chris, you know this. When you're in the broadcast business, uh, you, you kind of mentally, on this side of the microphone, make the assumption, well, they're going to listen to the whole show. Well, the problem is they don't. And so that's why podcasts are, are good because you miss a couple of segments, maybe a half hour. You're in in uh, in uh, Walmart or something. Uh, so that's that, yeah, you can time shift from that standpoint. If you miss John Credy's interview, yeah, you can sure sure download that. Take a break. We'll be back with some uh, great email from this week and some phone calls. If you want to call in seven one nine four seven three twelve forty right here on Around the House. Well, have you heard of radon? If you live along the front range, you probably have radon in your house. It's a radioactive gas. You can't see it, taste it, smell it. But there's evidence it can cause real long-term health issues for you and your family, according to the EPA, even elevated risk of lung cancer. So you got to get it out of your house. And I want you to call Dave and his team at Expertech Environmental because they'll come over and test for it. If it's a little high, they can mitigate it. That They put some ducting and pumps in to suck it out of your house, get the radon level lowered, and improve your family's health and environment and keep them safer. So give them a call. Expert Tech Environmental, 719-435-9571. As you spend more time indoors in the winter, you want to get this done right now. So give them a call. And uh, if you have an existing radon system, they can help maintain that by setting up a program for you to make sure it's operating okay. Expert Tech Environmental, get radon out of your life. Call 719-435-9571. Need help with your next home project? Back to Around the House with Ken Moon. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Welcome back. Thank you, Laura. 21 minutes after 1 o'clock. And I say this every week, but I I feel I need to. Uh, There's a lot of talk show hosts. Not so much in in my genre here. Uh, More in the political a talk show a regime that um you know kind of make 
callers feel bad and regret they called. There's no stupid questions on Around the House because I learn from listeners every week. So if you have a question, you think, ah, oh, nobody, and that's a silly question. Nobody would care. Uh, don't be shy. Just give us a call. We'd love to kick things around with you. 719-473-1240. Sandy says, my husband has developed cat allergies after years of being around them. Do you think an air filter will help? That's interesting. He would do that late in life. And uh, you want to keep your husband around and, and the cats too, right? We don't want we don't want Sandy. You have to pick one or the other. So anyhow, uh, one the way I would start here is where you sleep. Because you spend most of your time, if you percentage of the day, about a third of the day in your I don't know. Can you still say master bedroom? I don't know. Anyway, in your bedroom, sleeping. So I would start in there. I would clean the air up in your master bedroom, and I've done it with a HEPA filter, air filter machine, uh, a true HEPA filter. Mine is portable Honeywell. Oh, I don't know. It's about 16 inches high and 12 inches wide and 12 inches deep, that kind of thing with a handle on it, semi-portable. And it, uh, it, I use it for two reasons: I to, to keep the air cleaner, and it's kind of a white no, a noise, background noise, which helps me that helps me sleep. So you might look for one of those portable HEPA a filter machines. I don't know what they cost now; probably two hundred or less. Mine, mine is I don't know about six, seven, eight years old is one hundred and twenty. But anyway, Honeywell, I really enjoy. This is my second Honeywell. So that's one thing to give it a try. Clean up the air in your bedroom. You could run the, some of them come with a timer, by the way, that you could run it uh, during the day when you're not sleeping and then run it at night, you know, kind of pre-program it. I just turn mine on all night long. What kind of furnace filter you have? Well, there are so-called allergen filters, but there are some downsides to them. And uh, the MERV number, efficiency rating value number, of a furnace filter, the higher the number, the the tighter it filters things. The problem is there's a diminishing return on that. If you get them too tight, then it loads down the furnace airflow, and the furnace can tend to overheat and and that kind of thing. So um, the allergen filters are like Merv 11. Uh, my heating contractor people like Click Heating, my sponsor says they didn't want to go much above uh maybe eight five is more ideal so in in the when it comes to furnace filters i think uh i would recommend between a five and an eight sandy but run that baby 24 7 and to clean up the cat dander and the and and you know the if it's some kitty hair that gets trapped in it uh, I would I would try to do that. It would cost you a little money for electricity, but running that furnace filter continuously uh, and and changing the filter, in your case, because you've got an allergy problem, uh, you want to probably change it uh, no less often than once a month. Every couple of weeks would be even better. I have a cat at home, and it's good to get a curry comb for a cat, and, uh, and I would, uh, you know, kind of do a curry comb every week or so to maybe excess hair and dander and that kind of thing i wouldn't recommend giving a cat a bath that's not something they enjoy particularly but so there's some other there's some ideas about the air in your house uh, uh run the furnace uh blower 24 7 for a while and see if that helps 
duct cleaning i can go either way on duct cleaning if your house is 20 years old 25 years old or older you might want to check the ducts you can do this yourself with a a swivel mirror and a strong light or your cell phone take some pictures of the inside of the heat ducts and see if they look fairly clean or if there's a layer of dust there that's that sort of thing uh i think duct cleaning sometimes can be a little oversold if you will over marketed it doesn't help as much as people uh, think it does but you can check that yourself now if you're in a really old home built in the oh i don't know 50s or earlier chances are you got a layer of moss or dust or uh, whatever on the <laughs> layer of nothing but dust bunnies on the inside of your duct yeah you want to get your ducts clean and the way you do that is to have a duct cleaning company come in and your regular furnace company your furnace guy i was going to say can recommend uh, who they like to, to call in for duct cleaning. But usually, duct cleaning is not necessary. If you shine your uh, your swivel mirror and flashlight down there, or if your your cell phone takes some pictures, you the ducting will either be smooth, galvanized metal on the inside, or it won't. So that's how you check that. So that's those are some ideas uh, about uh, cleaning up the air uh, in your house. Uh, good, good furnace filters... Uh, we'll remove the pet dander and the, not only that, but bacteria, uh, uh, mold spores, bacteria, larger bacteria, smoke particles, that kind of thing. So I hope that's helpful. You know, allergies can be miserable. It's it's interesting how you say it just came on. You didn't tell me how old your husband is. Uh, but I, I when my son uh, was, I don't know, eight or nine years old, he developed kind of an asthma, hay fever thing that went on for a few years and then went away was we gave him allergy shots and that that kind of thing and the doctor at the time uh told us of course this was i don't know 35 40 years ago or longer uh, yeah 45 years ago that in in many cases uh that allergies and asthma come back with old age so we're still he's not a by any means old age guy yet but so maybe these your immune system uh, changes or becomes uh, less sensitive, less uh, robust, if you will. That maybe is what happening, what's happening to your husband. So, of course, I hope you're working with a good uh, pulmonologist or allergist or somebody that can kind of help you through this. But those are just some ideas off the top of my head. 719-473-1240. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about smoke detectors. I haven't talked about this for a long time. How old are the smoke detectors in your house? That's a good question. You can uh, remove them, just get on, on a step stool or step ladder and, and unscrew them. Usually turn it to the left a quarter turn. You can look at the date of manufacture of a smoke detector. The reason I'm bringing this up is that there's a certain kind of smoke detector I really like, and I want I would encourage you to do that. If yours is 10 years old or older, uh, you want to check them all, but start the most critical smoke detectors in your house are outside the bedroom doors we want to protect the exiting from those bedrooms if there's a house fire so look for the dates there and uh, i want you to take a look for the i try to pick up uh the uh, the uh, dual technology smoke detectors you can find these uh, i found mine on amazon the last time it's 28 dollars or something like that the dual technology has the ionization which is a little radioactive a particle in there, a little isotope uh, that we've used since smoke detectors began to be used in the mid-70s. That's the traditional kind. 
Uh, there's also another kind called photocell, which detects smoldering fires, which are the more deadly fires anyway. And they build those both technologies into one smoke detector. So do your family a favor as we get into standard time. The days are getting short. Uh, fireplaces are used more, more lighting and uh, just a little more risk for fire in the wintertime at your house. Check out your smoke detectors and see how old they are. And if your house is... You know, you probably, if your house is 10 to 20 years old, you probably have the original smoke detectors. Most people do. You can start to tell the smoke detectors need to be replaced because they turn yellow. They were white, you know, when they were put in. Now they get a little yellow, and you know, I can guarantee you those are way out of date. So check the smoke detectors in your house. As I say, start with the ones in the bedroom hallways, and then you can gradually transition into the bedrooms themselves. We started putting smoke detectors in all sleeping rooms. I'm, you know, you lose track of time. I always do, but about 20 to 25 years ago, before that, there were simply one on each level of the house outside the bedrooms. But uh, you want to make sure your smoke detectors are up to date. Your carbon monoxide detectors need to be seven years old or younger because they, they fail a little bit before smoke detectors. But I wanted to make sure I mentioned that as the uh, days get shorter and the nights get a little longer huh chris uh, what about radon detectors too radon detectors uh are not all that helpful you're uh, they there's a lot of built-in sort of inaccuracies uh, false positives and things you're better off like to call my expert tech people get a one-time test and then go from there yeah the radon detectors are not as um reliable as you, you would like them to be so yeah, I would just get that test and get it mitigated or not. Anyway, 719-473-1240 is the telephone number. And we'll be right back right after this on Around the House. Give us a call. Hey, you're looking for a plumber? Let me recommend the Three Amigos Plumbing Company, a fun name for a really professional plumbing company. They have a great reputation, veteran-owned. If you need a new water heater, you got a drippy faucet, whatever, anything in between, Give these folks a call. They have no hidden fees, no sticker shock when you get the bill because they want you as a long-term customer. Best prices on town on Ream or Bradford White Water Heaters, my favorite brand. If you live in an older house, man, the holidays are coming up. You you don't want a bad sewer when the company gets here for the holidays. So I want you to give uh, Three Amigos a call. If you're in an older home, they'll give you a free TV camera look at your sewer line. If you let them clean it, and um, you need to get this done before the holiday. You want to know what's going on in your sewer line. So call Three Amigos Plumbing. Veteran-owned, honest, upfront pricing, 719-597-6763. 719-597-63. Three Amigos Plumbing. Tell them Ken Moon sent you. We were talking about the holidays a second ago. How does your house look? Are you proud of the way it looks from the street? Or you want to maybe spiff it up a little before the company comes for the holidays. It's still time to call Dutch's Home Improvement. Get some new energy-efficient windows on the house. Maybe some new siding, patio cover. Well, we'll do the patio cover in the spring, but uh, they do front doors and all that. So you can get your house looking younger than its actual age and save energy. Because if you have ugly old wood, steel, or aluminum windows from bygone years, you're wasting a lot of energy. Call Dutch's Home Improvement, 719 719- 
392-1369 or duchesshomeimprovement.com. These are the go-to folks to get that house looking uh, just like you want it to and to save energy at the same time. Been around over 30 years, licensed, insured, of course. You've heard of Duchess. That's why they've been around for a while because they uh, their commitment to customer service is a big deal. Best installers in town, Duchess Home Improvement. For siding, windows, doors, give them a call, 719-392-1369. Things break around the house. That's why there's the Around the House program with Ken Moon. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. 23 minutes before the hour on the Around the House program. A shout out to our friends up in Casper on KTWO. We're glad you're with us. Going on, it's at least 25 years Casper's been with us. And I know they time shift the program to 4 p.m. And that's fine. But if you want to give us a call, it's 1 o'clock mountain, a mountain of uh, daylight and soon to not be daylight time anymore, right? Oh, man, that's then you know renters really arrive, don't you? 719-473-1240. I didn't want to, Chris, you asked about radon detectors. I didn't want to discount and brush you off totally. Radon testing is a little complicated. There's some strict EPA rules. It's best left to a professional a radon detector would give you an indication if it's on the high side, but if you're really concerned about it, you really need to call a professional uh, licensed company who's done all the training and all that. So it's a little... Like our sponsor. Expertech. Like our sponsor, yeah, Expertech Environmental. The, those are the folks you had to call. And this is something, you know, it's like, <clears throat> it, it's, it's like knowing, oh, I don't know what a good analogy is. It's like I always talk about uh, the water pressure in your piping is uh, like knowing your blood pressure. You want to always know what your blood pressure is. A radon is an environmental contaminant and a health hazard, and you kind of want to know what it is because I guarantee you, you've got some radon in your house if you live anywhere in the Rocky Mountains. The Rocky Mountains are relatively young mountains geologically, and because of that, there's a, a lot of fissures and cracks and crevices that radon can sneak up from the decay of uranium deep underground. So it, it the first place it encounters is a basement of a house and comes in. It's kind of heavy gas and stays down there. But I guarantee you have some radon. radon. Now, it varies all over the place. The closer you get into the foothills or mountains, like up in uh, Teller County, places like that, uh, it gets pretty high out on the plains tends to be a little on the lower side so you just don't know until you test for it so just like knowing what the water pressure is in your house um, you, you want to know what the radon uh, level is especially the big jeopardy are people are first of all kiddos because uh, kids lungs are developing and you don't want to trap any radioactive uh, material in there particles and so on and kids if people are sleeping in the basement it's generally going to be children so you want to know especially if you have children sleeping in the basement how's the radon down there so call my buddies over there at expertech uh and uh, they'll they will get you through that and it's not a big deal but you got to know it's important uh, to know that so oh here's a fun article that i'll read and i'll maybe comment after the next break this is called another long hot summer you may remember a couple of months ago, I looked up the high temperature data state by state in the United States and almost, uh, I'm, I'm just winging it here, 75% or so were records set years ago, like in the 30s, the Dust Bowl years, that, those kinds of, thing, kinds of things. 
So here's a, an article from the American Thinker by Jeffrey Folks uh, called Another Long Hot Summer. He lives in Florida now. A recent story from the New York Times, Why Summers May Never Be the Same, seems to be another example of climate hysteria gone wild. According to the article, too many Americans, to many Americans, rather, the season felt like a climate inflection point, a peek at what the country's facing in the future, and a new definition of summer. It was so hot, the author claimed that children couldn't play outside. Some construction workers worked only at night. Arizona was unlivable. Even Vermont, with its summer flooding, did not escape unharmed. And this, the author insists, is just the beginning. Well, the author, Jeffrey, says, my summer hasn't changed. It was hot as it's been every year since I was born and raised in Oklahoma, retired in Florida. Actually, the 50s in Oklahoma, often referred to as the Little Dust Bowl, were hotter and drier than anything since. There were half-inch cracks running through the baked earth. I've seen pictures of that. Sidewalks hot enough to fry an egg and no rain for 90 days. But no one called it climate change. It was doing what it always had done, another long, hot summer on the Great Plains. According to climate scientists, in quotes, one piece of evidence of climate change is the increase in number of intensity of tropical storms. In line with that theory, almost every spring, NOAA issues uh, strong warnings for more frequent storms, but usually they fail to materialize. During excessive media coverage of Hurricane Idalia, which was a couple of months ago, that's what exactly what happened. There are no threatening Atlantic storms forming at this time. Only one hurricane has made landfall so far. Uh, category 3 Idalia was quickly downgraded to a Category 1. There was precisely one death in Florida. Somebody died in a car accident related to storm flooding from that storm. Uh, so uh, there's so much for intense, more intense storms. In fact, the climate is changing dramatically past the boiling point, as the alarmists like to say. One would expect, let me start that sentence over again. If, in fact, the climate is changing dramatically past the boiling point, as the alarmists like to say, one would expect 2023 to have been a landmark year for storms. But only one Atlantic storm made landfall, though there is still time for another hurricane. That's coming to an end. Uh, hurricane season May to November, so that's coming to an end here. The lesson of the 2023 hurricane season is there's no dramatic increase in the number of storms, intensity of storms. And even if there is, future coastal residents have become better prepared for them. Hurricane-resistant housing has been mandatory in Florida for almost 20 years. Uh, when a number of storms struck the state, anyone who stayed inside and heeding heeded storm warnings in 2023 um, was um, was safe. But the point here's that he buried the lead in this article. Jeffrey Folks says storms like Idalia will come and go and be forgotten in days. What will not be forgotten are the rate hikes that were approved for Florida Power and Light, an increase of 10.3 percent beginning in April, with another 10 percent to cover costs associated with last year's storms rate increases make it hard for americans to cool their homes and protect themselves according to the cdc there were 1714 climate related heat deaths in 2022 cheaper electricity rates would reduce that number uh, more important each year there are 100,000 cold related deaths uh, in the u.s and canada higher heating costs increase the number so more people die when it's cold uh, the one that's a little warm. Uh, compare that to the number of hurricane-related deaths. A statistics as buried in search results 
presumably because it's an inconvenient truce that hurricanes don't kill very many people. To the best of my knowledge, there have been only four hurricane deaths so far in 2023. Does it make sense to continue restricting oil and gas exploration and drilling when high energy costs are killing a lot more people than climate change? The summer of 2023 was hot, but I spent part of every morning basking in the sun, enjoying every minute of it. Now the days are cool. Spend more money uh, mornings with a light jacket on. I'm not getting as much vitamin D, and I miss the dopamine and serotonin boost that accompanies it. The hours of sunshine are dwindling, cold weather coming, long hot summer is over, and I miss it. So there's a great article about the perspective of is the summer really hot and you know it's hotter than it was and all this stuff the point of this piece is that history did not begin the day you were born that there's been a lot of hotter and drier periods in the past than what's going on right now uh it's called weather and it gets hot and it gets cold and it gets wet and it gets dry but in the meantime we're destroying our electric grid and collision down power plants and doing some real permanent long-term damage because uh, we think history began the day we were born, and it's just so hot in the summertime. Well, my kids live in Phoenix, you know, and they they set some they they set a record this summer for consecutive days over one ten, I believe. But uh, my kids have been down there for forty plus years, and they always get one ten or above in the summertime. What's new in Phoenix? Nothing really. The problem in Phoenix, of course, is so much more development, so much more paving and concrete. It's just the perception of heat is a lot more. If you measure the temperature above the heat islands of the cities, uh, there's actually a little global cooling going on. So we're driving our, tying ourselves in knots for essentially not much in the way uh, because weather changes and the climate changes. And um, as George Will said, how cool would you like it when there was a thousand feet of ice over downtown Chicago? I suppose that 10,000 years ago, that would be nice and cool, but... We should, this too shall pass, we hope, without all the hysteria. It doesn't help at all. If the summers are hot and the winters are cold, are cold get, get used to it. Or move to South America, right? Chris, it's spring down there now. I'm sure it's getting lovely uh, day by day in Rio de Janeiro. 719-473-1240. Time for a break. Don't forget, John Creddy, our gardening with an altitude guy, will be here in the second hour. So look forward to John. We'll see you in just a minute. Click Heating and Air has a special deal going on now. First of all, 59 bucks to get your furnace clean. That's the best deal in town. Mention around the house, and they'll, their technicians will come to your house, give it a nice safety check and a clean bill of health. You need to do this every year to keep your family safe. But if you have an older furnace, 20 years or older, they got a $2,000 discount if you mention this commercial. It's a great deal, or a free humidifier, whichever. They want you to get a new furnace in your house, like a new ream, before the federal regulations kick in. They get more expensive you know you get the idea a new ream furnace would be just what the doctor ordered if yours is 20 years or uh, older and ask him about the two thousand dollar discount first responder military senior discounts at click heating and air so get that furnace checked out for the coming heating season give him a call 719-782-5425 get that 59 dollar deal best deal in town click heating and air 719-782-5425 tell him ken moon sent you 
The street scene, as the realtors say of your house, is influenced more than anything by your garage door, right? That's the first thing people see. How's yours look? Hailed on, tired, old and scraggly looking? You want to get a new garage door from Wayne Dalton Sales and Service. They'll put an insulated steel door for a, a, a sale price now. This has only got... Uh, a few days to run, 150 off a double or 75 off a single when you mention around the house. And an insulated door is a great way to save energy, by the way. They have, Wayne Dalton has the industry best polyurethane injected insulation. It'll keep the garage warmer, which saves you energy in the house. And it doesn't have to look boring either. Your garage door can have a nice wood grain look to it with the impression plank doors at Wayne Dalton Sales and Service. They're also a genie. A dealer, a opener dealer. So stop by their showroom, 1847 South Murray, and ask about the special deal. 150 off a double, 75 a single at Wayne Dalton Sales and Service, 719-382-9227. Fix-it videos can be so confusing. Let Ken Moon walk you through it on Around the House. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Thank you, Laura. It's, uh, what is it, nine minutes before the hour on the Around the House program. John Creddy, in our second hour, I look for, I always love John's interviews because he's so knowledgeable. He's just, I've got a, matter of fact, this uh, listener, I think she's from Denver, sent me a great question about mites and uh, and pruning rose bushes. Those are great questions for this time of year. I'll talk to John about that and a bunch of other things in the second hour. Marie said, this is a real timely question you sent here marie and i'm glad you you did um is it still better to have a gas water heater instead of electric even one with a timer on it yeah it really is in virtually every part of the country until they screw this up too but every part of the country you can heat roughly three or four times as much water with natural gas as for the same outlay with the electric model i don't care if it's a heat pump or whatever it is it takes so many btus and watts of electricity to heat water uh, a timer is a good idea an electrician can stall if you have an electric water heater now a timer is a good idea so it doesn't run all day long when you're at work you save some you know that'll help with some of the differences between the two uh, but uh yeah you, you want a, a gas water heater because you can just heat water so much more efficiently with uh, natural gas or even propane than you can with electric thanks for that uh, question: I don't care what you hear on or see on TV about electric heat pump water heaters. Get a gas one; you'll be better off. Steve uh, is uh, calling in. Is our old buddy Steve right, Chris? Yeah, Steve, you're on the air. Hi, what's going on, buddy? Good afternoon, Mr. Ken. Are you enjoying this stupendous Saturday? Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, cool. But uh, what what else is new in the Rocky Mountains, right? Yep. Well, I was going to mention a couple things. You know, on EVs, I was talking with a couple of Springs Utilities techs. And something I didn't know was that they see a concentration of EV chargers in a particular neighborhood, and it's drawing the whole grid down in that neighborhood. So what they're doing is anybody else that wants one, they have to get a permit, and they may not get it, number one. Mm-hmm. You know, number number two, we've been talking about, and this really bothers me, and if I had an EV, which I don't plan to, I would sure have a smoke detector near the charging station because when those things catch on fire i was talking to a battalion chief all they can do if they get there in time is haul that sucker out in the driveway let it burn let it burn on it. They, have to, they have to throw as much as as you know thirty thousand gallons and it still burns because it's exothermic 
Yep, yeah, water does uh, virtually nothing except cool it a little bit, I guess. But yeah, you're you're right. You yeah. know, um, Steve, that's a great comment. I've talked about this on the air before. You know, if you look out uh, in the back of your house, there's and look, there's a transformer by the fence somewhere that serves six or eight houses in your neighborhood. All of the wiring is underground. Uh, in uh, virtually all in the city and all of that wire is not sized for everybody to have an ev charger so here we go we'll have to change the infrastructure um and you know this this is reason number 368 uh, why unintended consequences are so important they never say then what so yeah you just got to have a government operation to get this messed up did you see the gazette editorial this morning about electric cars the, the, I did not, but I've read that manufacturers are losing thirty to forty thousand yeah. dollars per vehicle on these things. I read forty-eight thousand. The balloon is popping with EVs. People are—they're just a, a toy for rich people, and people are, are, are not buying it for a second. I don't know if you heard my thing about the dogs don't like the food. Did you hear me say that? It just, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, hey, uh, well, go ahead. Time, yeah, uh, I, th- I think your colleagues on Cario on the news side have not gotten the memo because they've been at least for a week with dire warnings, blow your sprinkler system. And I tend to agree with you. If you've got a below grade system that you can drain and keep it drain yep. when it's cold so that you can do winter watering, I fully agree. Now, if you've got a bi-level or a tri-level, you may want to consider blowing that thing out, but you're going to be limited to not doing winter watering except with a hose and a sprinkler. I've, I've never blown my sprinkler system out, and we're talking, uh, you know, decades and decades. If it's a modern polyethylene, you know, the shiny black pipe, which is a little flexible anyway, Steve. And, yeah, you just drain out the pipes on the side of the house, the manifold, and, and just let air in that system. It'll be just fine because most of these systems, uh, by the time the cold snap gets there, are only half full of water anyway. So, there just isn't that much jeopardy. Now, there are some older systems with steel piping or PVC, you know, piping. They're, they're the oddballs, but you have to drain those or blow those out. But otherwise, why blow out a system? It doesn't make it. And like you say, you end up dragging your hoses around all winter, right? If you're going to do winter watering, and if you don't, you're going to have some winter burn. Oh, yeah. So, and last question. Uh, maybe you would pass on to John Creddy. Every few years, and this is one of them, we're back to having the attack of the killer voles, which oh, is like okay. a mole that <laughs> likes to dig up the yard. So I've been using, I started out a long time ago, and I've been bowl-free for like four or five years. Now they're back. Uh-huh. I used to use those Sweeney's poison sticks, but, you know, with the traffic we have with the number of kids and dogs, I thought I'd go the ultrasound repeller, which seems to work. But uh, ask him about his thoughts on that. Um, we got like four or five, you know, holes. With dirt piled up and all that jazz. Already, yeah. The, the, so. They really get active when the snow cover comes, and uh, they like to scurry around under under snow cover because, you know, they're relatively warm. Uh, but there's uh, uh, the my old sponsor, Bonide, makes a mole and vole. I think it's called Mole Max. And I don't, I think it's just a repellent. I don't think it's a poison. You might look for that online, Steve, Mole Max, which is a great name. And um, another good site, and I will talk to John because it's a good topic, uh, is the Colorado State University. This is a a great resource in our state, uh, colostate.edu. They have a great extension service for uh, pests like voles and 
and everything else that can be a pest around the house. So not including people, you know, just regular pests. But uh, anyway, so. You know, speaking of CSUs, since you brought it up, um, I recommend it to my neighbor. He's got an issue with some sod that is just not thriving. Of course, it's getting uh-huh. ready to go into hibernation. But I suggested to him that he take a soil sample and have them get the pH level of the soil because the neighbor's blue spruce that I suspect is putting down uh, too much acid. Yeah, that could be maybe put a little lime on there. That's a great question. I'll run that by John also. Steve, thanks for your call. Time for a break for the news. We'll be back right after that with John Creddy talking about gardening and uh, we'll just run, run the gamut of gardens and lawns and trees and bushes and pruning, getting ready for winter with John Creddy. Segment number two of Around the House, just around the corner right after the news. Give us a call love to hear from you right here on around the house after the hour welcome back part two of around the house and i'm really excited uh about our guest old friend of mine not old guy but an old friend of long standing how does that sound john Greddy is with us i've known john uh, 30-ish or more i guess years uh john uh thank you for joining us how you doing buddy well good afternoon ken i'm doing fine just uh watching the clouds roll in here on the western slope yeah but it looks like we may we may not be getting the amount of snow that uh chris was uh telling me about the colorado springs will be getting but we it is that time of the year and we do need the moisture so yeah kind of uh buckle up and get ready for some cold temperatures and some moisture has the cold front gotten there like like it has over here well, it's coming in, but it's all going, instead of uh, in our area, it's going to the northeast. So it's uh, traveling north and then coming down, I think, into the Front Range area. Yeah. And that's why uh, Denver and Colorado Springs are going to get the brunt of it, I believe. Well, you know, we knew it was coming eventually. I don't know about you, but we've had a lovely Indian summer over here and, uh, and these intense yellow trees. And we didn't get a lot of wind or rain to strip them, so they... We're with us a long time. You know, that the blue sky and the sun shining through those yellow leaves, there's just nowhere like it uh, that I know of that's as beautiful as our our late uh, uh, you know fall can be. Do you, you have the same thing over there? Well, Kenny, it's been a spectacular fall season, like you say. Uh, you know, we have had mild temperatures, the right conditions with moisture in the soil, that the intensity of the colors has been great. Uh, we've got some large cottonwoods on our property that are just beautiful, and uh, they still are. So unless we get a heavy wind and a real hard frost, this may continue a while. But uh, it has been a spectacular fall with color in the mountains. And I noticed in Denver that even the uh, park system, the trees in the parks, the maples, the oaks, uh, were really spectacular as well. Yes. I, I went up to the uh, Teller County area looking at – uh this is an interesting question now that I'm, I'm thinking about it looking at the aspen and they were lovely as they always are but i didn't see the orange 
Uh, all, pretty much all yellow. Some years you see orange aspen uh, trees uh, this time of year. Is that a genetic thing with as, uh, with uh, aspen summer or always orange, or does it depend on the year, or what's the story there, John? Well, to my understanding, it, it is genetic. Some of the trees are more predisposed to having uh, pigments that turn into the oranges and reds, and you'll see a few patches here and there during some seasons. Uh, also, some of that has to do with the pH of the soil. The acidity or the alkalinity of the soil can affect how nutrients are taken up. So that'll affect the foliage. And then so when the fall season comes and the green leaves will unmask the chlorophyll, the green color, that's when the uh, pigments will come out. Some will be more intense than others. So yeah. a very good question. But um, it's just like people, trees are individuals yeah. uh, in so much that uh, you'll see that change. It's interesting with aspen, as you well know, though, that they are a, a colony of trees that are all supported by one massive root system. So even in a system like that, you'll have genetic differences. Yeah, some of those hillsides, when they're yellow, orange, and the green evergreens mixed in, are just spectacular. And I'm just curious about that. I thought maybe it was... A combination of genetics, maybe in weather and soil, who who knows? But it is it's a wonderful it's a wonderful thing. I come from New England. It's hard to impress me because of all the maple trees back there. That we have trees the color of orange, traffic cones and scarlet and all that. But you know the the, the beauty of those yellow hillsides out here. It's hard to beat, isn't it? it? It really is. But as you said, back east where you have more of the hardwoods. Uh, you get more of those intense colors and yes. reds and oranges and, and rust. But, yeah. uh, you know, we, we do have a, you know, there's gold in, the, in this, their country here in Colorado. That's kind of the aspen here when we see those big swaths of color in the mountains. The only the thing we don't have that, that we have back east is that choking humidity. I don't miss, I don't miss that at all. John Creddy is our guest, a prolific author. I'm just looking here at Amazon, Rocky Mountain Month by Month Gardening Guide. I should know this by heart. Rocky Mountain Gardening in general is John's expertise. He's lived here uh, pretty much all his life and just knows our soil, our climate. If you have a question for John, please call us at 719-473-1240. He's an expert. He's kind enough every couple of months to give us some time here on the air. John and I go back. I, John, I, I think it's more than 30 years, which is kind of hard to imagine, but it, it goes by fast, doesn't it? But I think uh, to the early 90s, I think, is when you and I hooked up, as I remember. That that sounds right. I you know I started in Denver on uh, KOA, the flagship station over there, uh, and that was back in nineteen uh, eighty, I believe. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I was still working for the extension service at that time. So, and then you came along with the around the house program, and that's how I got to know you. So it's been a while, and time does fly. Three weeks from today, the show will be my thirtieth anniversary, John, of Around the House. So kind of proud of that and um i hope i can keep keep going here they'll wheel me in here with a little drool on my you know on my bib but i'll do it anyway <laughs> so it's well congratulations ken That's thank you great. it's a lot of fun well you and i are kind of old radio guys and we just really really like that well uh again questions for john about anything winter gardening how to get a yard button up for winter the coming spring and maybe pruning questions which i speak of the devil i have one 
Here, uh, a, a, a loyal listener, John, might as well start with this. Remember, again, let me double check on the phone number here, 719-473-1240. Lucretia says, a two-part question, when should I spray for mites? We've had trouble with them in our front south-facing lawn. Should I spray now and then a couple times in the winter, or what should I do? Um, So let's do that half uh, first. I know we've talked about this a little bit in the past. Go ahead, John. Okay, well, she's talking about these little... uh clover mites that uh, get into lawns, particularly on the south and west exposures during the fall and winter months when there's not enough moisture. Uh, Mites are opportunistic little creatures. They're not true insects, but they are a pest that can um, suck the juices out of the lawn and it makes it turn brown and can cause those symptoms when the lawn tries to recover in the spring. The key thing is you don't have to spray for them with any kind of insecticide and you really need to use a miticide if you were going to spray. The key is to provide moisture to those dry areas when there's open dry periods in the fall and winter. So that uh, we've talked about fall and winter watering. When the ground remains unfrozen, you want to get out about once every three or four weeks and water those areas that don't have snow or areas that dry out fast so that um, this discourages mites and you won't have a problem with them. Yeah, I, you know, you heard me say before that with very, very few exceptions, I don't believe in blowing out sprinklers for that very reason that you get to winter water without a lot of messing around with hoses uh, and things. Most sprinkler systems, if you drain the, the zone valves and the manifold, will not freeze up. So there's another reason to do uh, to do winter watering. So that was easy. No no chemicals on that one. Her other half of her question, John, uh, I have. She says she has two rows of Sharon uh, rose bushes. That, uh, should I wait to prune next spring, uh, since they don't bloom until August, or do it now, or wh- whatever? What's what's the advice there, John? Well, the rose of Sharon is one of those late blooming uh, shrubs that occurs in summer in the summer months into the fall. So the best time to do that thinning or pruning out the uh, dead or you know older branches is in the spring. So late spring is a good time to go in there and thin it out or reduce the height, whatever her goal is here. Um, one thing about pruning is when right now, if you were to prune it, you remove some of that stored food energy that oh, yeah. uh, accumulated yeah. over the summer. So leave those things intact. Uh, usually it's better, it's, it's uh, kind of a, a rule of thumb is you, know, you prune the late summer blooming shrubs in the spring and uh, if you have early blooming shrubs like uh, forsythia, uh, those types of things, lilac, you prune those after they flower. So that's kind of the difference in the pruning methods and timing. Yeah, there was a, you know, in the, I don't know, I was going to say the old days. I, I shouldn't be talking about the old days, but I used to read all the time about, well, rose bushes, you know, there's a lot of wind around here, so take them all down to the ground uh, at the beginning of fall and or tie them up with string or something. Uh, but what you're saying, John, is you have to be a little selective about which ones you whack down and don't, and without, it's not a blanket thing with rose bushes, it sounds like. You're, you're exactly right. In fact, that's an old myth about pruning rose bushes back in the fall or uh, because of the wind. There are some exceptions. You know, if you've got real tall canes that grew up and they're 
getting beat by the wind, you can either tie them against a trellis if it's a climbing rose, yeah. or if it's a shrub rose, you can reduce the height if necessary so that it doesn't whip the canes uh, in the wind. But for the most part, roses should be pruned in the spring because we don't know how much winter kill can result every year. And if you prune them too hard in the fall, you may lose the whole plant. Yeah. Back, you know, you remind you, I need to go to a break, but you, you, you reminded me, it clicked in. Uh, so thank you for the pruning thing. Back to the mites. Uh, do you think a lot of people uh, mislabel their brown lawns uh, in the spring, uh, winter, you know, winter kill from desiccation, dry conditions, uh, where they might just have mites and they didn't, you know, they didn't take care of them? Is, is that a possibility? It is a possibility. Some people don't uh, check for that, and there's an easy check to do that for mites in the lawn is just to run your hand over the turf areas, and if you get kind of a brownish-red uh, coloration on your uh, palm of your hand, that's an indication that mites might be working in that turf, and wow. they're sucking all the chlorophyll, the green, out of the grass. You don't look for little bugs. You just look for color? Well, you can look for them. They're very tiny. So that's the thing. So the, the coloration when you squash them, that's why when you run your palm of your hand over the lawn, you can kip, pick up some color. But if you want to get down there on your hands and knees and look, you'll find the mites yeah. right in the crown of the grass blades. But they're like little, uh, oh, the, the end of a pen. They're really tiny little spots that move around. And they've got eight legs like a spider. Yeah. And that's when you know if you have them. But watering, if that's the case. Uh, misdiagnosis sometimes can be that people don't have the correct uh, uh, result in diagnosing the problem. So check both ways. If it's dryness, you'll know that by sticking a screwdriver in the soil. If it's mites, you'll see the little pest or can see the coloration on your palm of your hand. Human beings like nice green lawns and Mother Nature seems to always do her best to try to get us, you know, push against that green lawn thing. It's a little struggle, isn't it? And uh Right, it is. That's right. I've got a, uh, a, some other fertilizing lawn questions, but we're a little late for a break here. And so if you have a question for John, we have voles coming up that came up in the prior hour. Give us a call. John would be glad to take your phone call at 719-473-1240. We're talking to a horticulturist gardening with an altitude guy, John Cruddy. We'll be back right after this, right here on Around the House. When you think about saving energy in the wintertime, you think about windows and insulation. But what about your garage door? Your garage door is, for most folks, is a 16 by 7 hole in the front of your house. And if you have an old, ugly wooden garage door or just a, a dinky steel one that's uh, been dented, get a new garage door from Wayne Dalton Sales uh, and Service. Uh, they have a great deal going on, but only for a, another week or so. That's 150 off a double or 75 off a single when you mention around the house. So get a new garage door, energy-efficient garage door, and you'll save energy this winter, and you'll have cooler summers also. You can get that wood grain impression plank doors. They don't have to look boring. Wayne Dalton Sales and Service has a showroom. 1847 South Murray, you can check them out. And they're a genie dealer, by the way, for that opener you may need. But don't wait for the sale uh, to go on by 150 off a double or 75 a single with Wayne Dalton Sales and Service. 719-382-9227. Got a fix-it problem at your house? Ken Moon is here to help. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. 
Welcome back to the program. 24 minutes after the hour on the Around the House program. Good to have you uh, with us. We're talking to John Creddy, our gardening with an altitude expert on all things lawn and garden. If you want to call us at 719-473-1240. That's the telephone number. I had a call from uh, one of my listeners, Steve, uh, before the top of the hour, John, and he's seeing bowl holes already. Uh, usually, we talk about these after the snow cover is uh, is is upon us. Uh, it, it, are you surprised that bowls are making their appearance this early? It is a little early because they usually like to be uh, protected or under the, uh, 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 camouflaged by the uh, you know the the snow or and because they tunnel underneath the snow and the lawns and around shrubbery. And for people that don't know what voles are, they're little rodents that look like uh, field mice that yeah. burrow into grassy areas and they nibble at the base of uh, junipers or ground cover type shrubbery. And then they can kill those plants, but they also leave those irregular pathways in the lawn that you see. And, and they're really a little pesky thing. If you don't have natural predators around like, um, you know, hawks and eagles and uh, bobcats or foxes, you know, the homeowner has to kind of take into their own hands the best way to control them. And I found that trapping, when I used to live in the um, the prairie area, is a real good way is just setting out traps uh, perpendicular to their runways because uh, just a regular mouse trap can catch quite a few moles or bulls if you don't have you know, other types of controls around, you know, even a good cat, if he's a hunter, yeah. could uh, control them as well. Use uh, bacon, cheese, uh, peanut butter, your recipe, uh, or about anything? Well, you know, peanut butter is always a good thing. So just something to kind of uh, attract them. And then um, because they're checking out with curiosity what the bait is, they'll just get trapped with a regular uh, mouse trap. So that's uh that's what I have found in the past is effective. And you can try different traps. You can go to a garden center or a hardware store, and they'll even have some of those kinds of traps for those kinds of critters in your landscape. Yeah. Uh, Steve, the caller said he was thinking about using those poison sticks, but yeah, you know, if you can avoid poison, I think it's always a good idea. Don't you, John? Well, I think you're on the right track because poisons can be uh, transferred in the food chain to, you know, if you have dogs or cats around that, you know, would eat a uh, a, a vole that's been treated with a, uh, a poison grain bait or a rodenticide or something like that, that could harm those. So, I mean, they're out there. You can find some uh, rodenticides. That's what they're called just for rodents. But just be sure you read the label and follow the yeah. information so that you don't expose other uh, beneficial animals to that. I remember you and I used to get calls and emails about voles. Uh, like in Colorado Springs, the monument area, as you know, is a higher elevation, 77,000, 7,500 feet. And they get snow cover that sometimes lasts for, you know, for weeks. And uh, I think we, we – you – schooled me and taught me that voles thrive under snow cover because they run around and it kind of keeps them protected and they do their thing more than any other time don't they that's right they're they're out there uh feeding on the grass roots and the crown of the grass uh, as they make these pathways so they're just trying to survive 
And uh, it's a good idea, in fact, right now, if you have tall grasses that uh, are around some of the base of your uh, junipers or shrubs around the landscape, those grasses are protection. So kind of cut those back a yeah. little shorter uh, and prevent them from having, you know, more access to uh, girdling or gnawing the base of shrubs and junipers and stuff like that. We're talking yard, lawn, garden, weather, we're getting ready for winter, even thinking about spring, which will come someday, I guess, with John Creddy, gardening with an altitude guy, a prolific author. Go to Amazon and type in John Creddy, C-R-E-T-T-I, and you'll see uh, his books pop up and uh, well-rated and like the Rocky Mountain Gardener's Handbook, Getting Started Gardening Guide, which is good for people starting out with their first yard and that kind of thing. So John's books are beautiful photography and really down-to-earth practical advice from John Creddy. And we're talking to him now. If you want to check in, 719-473-1240. Well, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Einstein, you're talking to here, John. <laughs> when I, one more bag of fertilizer. So I went and got my spreader. And uh, now yeah, I was, I was going to cut the bag open and pop, popped open the garage door. And, of course, my lawn is covered in uh, fallen maple leaves. And so I guess I'm not going to get to fertilize one more time. So don't wait till the leaves fall to fertilize. Right? Is, is it really, seriously, is it a little late to put on that last fertilizer? Is it better to just hang on until spring? Well, Ken, you know, it, it, once this uh, weather pattern uh, passes and the snow melts, if you, you know, depending on how much snow that you have, and you can rake the leaves so to expose the turf grass, you still can put on a uh, what we call a fall or winterizer type fertilizer. That's one of the things that I have written about, and I've talked to turf specialists up at CSU. You can fertilize well into. Uh, well, when we talk about thanks, uh, you know, up to Thanksgiving, if the conditions yeah. are right. But uh, Halloween, you know, following the guidelines of the holidays, put your fertilizer on your lawn following the holidays. Uh, Halloween, so this next few days is the time to put the last application on. But turf experts recommend you could even put on another one uh, around Thanksgiving if the turf is still green and there's moisture, and it's it's not totally dormant, so it's going to benefit from those nutrients. Is there enough difference between regular old fertilizer that you use in the summer and winterizer to make a, a big deal out of it? No, not really. In fact, it's just more of a marketing scheme uh, just to remind people to put on a winterizer. But say you didn't use all the fertilizer that you had this summer, this past summer, uh, you could use a regular 2010-5, and that would be just as good yeah. as uh, some of these other formulas. So just apply it according to label directions and get it watered in lightly. One thing I don't know if we've talked about, some people, uh, and I have a neighbor, who likes to use a mulching lawnmower, and he claims you know, that, that the, there's nutrients in the leaves, uh, uh, and uh, he grinds them up and waters them in and doesn't really get rid of them. I don't, he doesn't have a huge... Uh, coating of leaves on his lawn but uh, is that something you believe in or is it best to get those leaves into a compost pile well it depends on the leaves ken if they're heavy textured waxy leaves uh you're best to just go ahead and rake them up and compost them you know you can put them through a shredder if you have access to one but um you know getting the big leaves all mulched and put on the lawn 
it takes uh, several months before the organisms in the soil will break them down enough to release nutrients. It's not a bad thing. It's recycling. We call it grass cycling as a term that some people use where you're putting those things back into the earth, and that's good. But if you do that all the time, you can also get a thatch buildup. So uh-huh. make sure part of your lawn care program is aeration. You need to co-aerate to help those organisms in the soil break down that uh, ground up leafy matter, and then it can be a benefit. But uh, you can, people overdo it sometimes, and then they wonder, why is my lawn not taking in the water right? Well, it could be a thatch buildup yeah. or that accumulation of organic matter. I, I do, thanks to recommendations from you years ago, I, uh, spring aerate and fall aerate. If you had to pick one or the other, John, what would you? Uh, what, which one would you pick? Oh, I think I think fall aeration is a really important one, just because uh, you want to have holes in the lawn, openings that will allow the snow to melt and uh, get down deeper and get good moisture during those periods. We get, uh, you know, that nice heavy textured snow that has moisture in it. Uh, so if you had one choice, at least do it in the fall. Plus, it reduces some of the compaction that has been uh, going on on the lawn during the summer months. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you need to get rid of that too, and that helps things a little bit. Make those nutrients work, make the moisture go deeper. If I had to uh, guess, you, you, if, you, if you can, do both, do, do both, right, if you can. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. really both is recommended, especially in our clay-textured soils because they tend to uh, kind of bind up and, and cause all kinds of problems that can – be more apparent yeah john we didn't need to take a a break uh and so we're going to do that right now it's 26 minutes before the hour we'd love it if you'd check in with us uh at 719-473-1240 talking with john creddy gardening with an altitude expert we'll be back right after this right here on around the house I want to talk about click heating and air you know any furnace can fail anytime so at the beginning of the heating season like right now i want you to call click heating and air take advantage of that special around the house price 59 dollars to get a safety check uh, and analysis of your furnace and what's going on with it that's the best deal in town i'm really impressed with click they've got great reviews uh honest transparent pricing they have a senior military first responder discounts and they have a sale going on now if you have an older furnace 20 years or older they'll give you a two thousand dollar discount on a new ream furnace that's a great deal or a free humidifier take your choice with click heating and air 719-782-5425 but again take advantage of that of that pricing 59 dollars for a comprehensive safety inspection cleaning and checkout of your furnace honest transparent pricing great service click heating and air 719-782-5425 well the holidays will be here before you know it and man if you're in an older home maybe uh, 30 years or older 35 years or older you want to get your sewer checked out before company comes over the holidays nothing worse than a sewer problem at thanksgiving or or christmas i want you to call three amigos plumbing company a fun name for a seriously professional uh plumbing outfit these guys have a great reputation veteran owned and uh they want you as a long-term customer so there's no sticker shock no hidden fees give you a free estimate they just do it right and very professionally get your sewer checked if you uh need a new water heater they have bradford white uh and ream water heaters uh my favorite brands by the way 
Uh, but get that sewer checked before the holidays. Give you a free TV camera look at the sewer when you hire them to clean it out. So avoid holiday catastrophes. Any plumbing issues, Three Amigos Plumbing, 719-597-6763. 597-6763. From your faucet to your furnace and everywhere in between, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. 21 minutes before the hour, talking to John Creddy, gardening with an altitude expert, prolific author, and dear friend of mine, who's uh, a Denver radio fixture going back uh, 40 plus years and uh, is now living on the Western Slope, but he's kind enough to give us a little time here on the air every two or three months, well, a couple of months, I guess, on average. So, John, thank you for being with us. Chris, uh, producer Chris has a question for you. Chris, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, uh, John, during my vacation earlier in August, I got to see some relatives in, up in Wisconsin that has uh, a relatively large garden uh, that they use for all sorts of produce and stuff like that. But usually during the winter, there's snowbirds and <laughs> go down to Arizona and everything. But is there a type of vegetable that actually might thrive in the winter with some level of snow and cold temperature? Um, that's a good question. That I, I think that if you're looking for vegetables that can take cold temperatures, um, one of the things that comes to mind are the, uh, the cabbage uh, family, and you may not like these. That's the thing, what kind of vegetables that you prefer. But uh, cool-tolerant things, uh, cabbage, broccoli, uh, cauliflower can take lower temperatures, and you can also utilize uh, little greenhouse structures called cloches to protect them if you want to build those uh, around the plants, and that'll kind of reduce the real severe temperatures. The other ones that I find really can tolerate conditions cold are root crops like carrots and beets because you c- they're in the soil, so if you protect those with a frost blanket, you can go out in the wintertime and just uncover that frost blanket and harvest because the soil doesn't freeze solid. And that's the one of the best ways to overwinter carrots and beets is to have them right in the garden or in a big container that doesn't freeze, and then you can do some harvesting then. But those are some ideas maybe that might help. This cloche, Go back to this closure thing. Is that like a little plastic dome thing, John? What is that? That's what, exactly what it is. It's the old methods that uh, come down from English gardening where people use those um, either glass or plastic domes over crops to help extend the season. Oh. Uh, so those are available. Uh, you can also build little coal frames that work the same way out of uh, cedar timber, and uh, that way you can have that controlled area where you can cover plants and protect them from the severe cold. Very nice, yeah. I, 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 that, that's that's great advice. Yeah. So, all, virtually year-round gardening. It probably depends on the year and how cold it gets. But yeah, Chris, that's a great question. I, I like that. Um, uh, might as well, if you got the plot out there, why let it go to waste? Uh, I guess that's the part we were talking about: East Coast uh, missing or not missing the East Coast. John, when I was a kid in New England, of course, it rains 48 inches a year there, and so and it's humid and muggy and sunny. I had uh, this wonderful vegetable garden year-round, these great tomatoes and things. It's a lot harder to do. You can do that here, but uh, in, in New England, you don't, you don't have to put hardly any work, and you get, get a nice garden. 
here it's a lot more work right but that's that's called rocky mountain gardening isn't it <laughs> that's right and until we win that lottery that we could afford to put up a greenhouse structure yeah. that would be the ideal thing to extend our season and there's several greenhouses out here in western colorado that uh you know will grow crops that you know lettuce uh organic lettuce and things like that are not too far away from where we live that is really great but you know that's that's a big big investment so we've got to make sure we win the lottery or you know the jackpot somewhere <laughs> never met anybody that could grow a beefsteak tomato in our climate at least in in colorado springs now pueblo is a little longer growing but we we've got enough uh, a season here for cherry tomatoes roma tomatoes but the, we just need another 30 days don't we john for good beefy tomatoes <laughs> that's about right so if you can plan ahead you know and put them out earlier and extend the season that's one way to do it uh, but uh you're exactly right we we do have these shorter growing seasons so we are kind of limited at what we could grow uh unlike other areas that have a longer season well uh we're talking about wrapping things up for the uh the fall season we talked about aeration we've talked about fertilizing getting the leaves uh under uh control anything else for for gardening that uh, need to be done this time of year um uh, any kind of, uh, I don't know, rototilling or soil prep for the spring or just let things uh, just relax for a few months here? Well, you use the term wrapping up for the season. Let's talk about tree wrapping. Okay. Uh, that's a very good activity right now to consider uh, because if you put in new trees this year that have that thin, tender bark on them, you might want to consider going out and getting some tree wrap and put that on anytime now through Thanksgiving so that protects the bark from sun scald injury, which is just the southwestern sun that hits that young tender bark and can cause splitting or cracking uh, later on in the winter season. So if you have those kinds of things in your landscape, tree wrapping is certainly one of those things. You can allude it to rototilling, and uh, as we clean up our gardens, take out all of the damaged vegetables from frost and just do general cleanup if you can rototill the garden and leave it in a rough state that'll allow that soil to mellow out so that it'll be ready for uh, leveling out and then planting in the springtime so that's another good activity once you clean up your annual flower beds and vegetable garden yeah john can you stay for one more segment oh sure Uh, this is so this is so interesting i hate to let uh, let let it, uh, your expertise go by here. So if you, we have one more segment here after this commercial break. And uh, if you want to check in with John at 719-473-1240, I want to talk about, we had a call about pH and sod and uh, lawn, new sod not doing well. So we'll run that by John, whatever else is on your mind right after this. 719-473-1240, right here on the Around the House program. We'll be right back. Talk to you about uh, Dutch's home improvement here. 
If you have ugly old windows on your house, we have a, a tough winter coming. And the big way to save energy, of course, is new windows, energy-efficient vinyl windows from Dutch's Home Improvement. They'll improve the, your, the looks of your house. It'll look younger and more modern, more up-to-date. But the point is, you're wasting energy, I'm sure, with those older uh, older windows. So get some energy-efficient vinyl windows from Dutch's Home Improvement. Fully licensed and insured, been around over 30 years. I met Gary, the owner, and I'm so impressed with his commitment to good old-fashioned customer service. He wants you as a long-term customer, but he also wants you to recommend him to uh, your friends and family. So call Dutch's at 719-392-1369. They have the best installers in town. Get some new energy-efficient vinyl windows on your house before the harsh winter conditions uh, come around, as they inevitably will. Dutch's Home Improvement for vinyl energy-efficient windows, 719-392-1369. Well, I got an email, a generous email from a listener named Tom about oh, an hour ago or so about Expertech Environmental. His radon level is 14. He called two companies. Expertech was the lower bid. Dave and Corbin came out, even lowered the price because the builder did a really good job of sealing the crawl space. They ran into a very thick wall and took them longer than expected, but they didn't add any, any cost. After they were done, the radon was still a little bit over four, so they came back out, did more, no additional charge. Radon now running below two. Great company, great people. Tom, thank you for that email. It's very generous of you. And uh, there you go, Expert Tech Environmental, above and beyond what they had to do to get the radon level low. You want to do that, want to check it. They'll come check it at your house, whether if it's high, you want to get the radioactive radon gas out of your house to keep your family safe. So I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you, Tom, for that testimony. Expert Tech Environmental, get radon out of your life, 719-435-9571. From your roof to your foundation and everywhere in between, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Nine minutes before the hour on the Around the House program, talking to Gardening with an Altitude a uh, horticultural genius, I, if I don't mind my saying that to you, John, <laughs> John Creddy from the Western Slope, who donates his time for, uh, on our program. And Steve, uh, is uh, you're on the air with John Creddy, Ken Moon on Around the House. Steve uh, is calling back. Uh, go for it, buddy. What do you, what's what's going on? Good morning, K&J, or I should say good afternoon. Uh, just a follow-up, that's a good idea on the traps, on the bowls. But uh, I had been using, you know, Sweeney poison sticks until I thought, well, we got a lot of traffic with kids and dogs, so I used the ultrasonic that worked before. You think that's better than um, traps? Okay, uh, Steve, the, the ultrasonics uh, have mixed reviews on uh, the effectiveness of uh, repelling animals. If they worked for you in the past, I would say go ahead and continue using them. But from the uh, studies that I've seen, they really aren't the most highly recommended. So I think trapping would be the best option if you have a lot of them is just to get some regular mouse traps and put them perpendicular okay. to the runs that's what i would think would be more effective especially if you have a lot of them okay next question uh my reading on aspen is they don't do too well at altitude center 8000 we're at 7000 and i had to cut down three gorgeous ones nexus blue spruce in front and yet we've got new growth of like 16, 18 foot aspen in back, we've got some other diamond ones. Is it productive to take those 16, 18 foot healthy ones and transplant them to the dead ones I got to cut down again? 
Well, you know, I've had success um, transplanting aspen if they're, you know, uh, manageable. So if you've got little, I don't find the real tall ones the most be- the, the best candidates, but I think if you get little three or four foot aspen trees, and by the way, fall is a good time once they shed their leaves and you can work the soil, is to transplant those smaller ones and they can kind of take over and become part of that clone of roots there. So you might try that. Um, you're going to have to watch your fall and winter watering if you're in a dry period where there's no snow cover. So make sure if there's open dry periods, you get out there and the, and the ground is not frozen, give them a good watering as well. Steve, uh, don't go Steve away, but I want a, a sidebar question. John, and you and I have talked about this before, and Steve uh, put his finger on something. A higher Aspen like a little higher elevation. And Remind me of that reason again. I've, we had talked about it before. Well, they're native to higher elevations, Ken and Steve. That's the thing. They they do better in higher elevations. The uh, uh, weather conditions are better. Uh, they don't get as many pests. That's the big problem that we have down at. When you get down to a lower elevation, aspen trees, poplar, that type of thing, are prone to uh, galls, which are those swollen nodules on the branches. They're more insect-prone, and then they also get the leaf spot diseases, because they have poor air circulation. People put them in areas where there isn't enough air circulation and they get black leaf spot and those galls, those insect pests. Very, uh, I'd forgotten, I'd forgotten the reason, Um, Steve, uh, but you're absolutely right. Uh, John, would you think seven or 7,500 and above or what's the guideline? You you should be fine at 7,500 and above, yes. If you get down to around, you know, 6,000, then you're kind of on the borderline, and then in Denver at 52 or whatever, you know, then then that's where they become more of a pest, and they have a very short life. And, and Steve, you would you, you, think- you would, you would ask a question about pH of, of some sod of your neighbors that I was going to run by. John, you want to ask it? Go ahead and just ask the question again, because that's a good one for okay, John. His next-door neighbor has a boost bruise. It's, of course, putting out needles, and so that part of his lawn, he can't seem to get it to thrive, and I suggested he take a pH sample of the soil to the CSU testing. Oh, that's a good good point. Uh, a good soil test of the sod or underneath the sod. You want to you know dig down and pull the sod back and take several little cores to get the soil test. That will determine if the the grass is getting the correct nutrients. Most of the time, and when I worked for CSU, I would interpret soil tests just like you're mentioning, uh, most of the time the soil test will show a deficiency of nitrogen in the turf areas that they need to be fertilizing a little bit more with higher nitrogen. Plus, the fact is that the spruce tree, if it's a big one, might be casting shade and you get those dry zones there that could be a problem. So the watering might be an issue as well. Could be. It's a western western facing area. Last question on the answer. So you would say it's not probably productive to take these 16, 18-foot ones in the backyard and transplant them to the dead ones? Well, you could try, but you're going to have to take a pretty good chunk of root because those roots, you sure. know, they spread out quite a long distance. You're going to have to take a, you know, a big area of root and some of that soil with it. So those are pretty big transplants. So it sounds, right, like, sounds, like, sounds like success with three 
or four footers, Steve, is what yeah. I hear, I'm hearing John say. Yeah, Steve, maybe. thanks again yeah, for thanks for your questions. Those are those are good ones. Well, John, we come to the end of the hour, and I've, I've really enjoyed this a lot. And we'll have you um, uh, maybe after the holidays stop by again. But this has all been so educational for me, and I know interesting for the uh, for the audience uh, also. So thanks for your time, and I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Well, thank you, Ken. The same to you. I wish you a great holiday season. And back at Chris, too, working as the producer back there at the station. It's been a pleasure being with you, and we'll talk with you again at some time in the future. You got it. Thanks again. Talk to you later. Thank you, John. Have a good one. Take care. John Creddy, gardening with an altitude guy, prolific author. Go to Amazon.com, type in C-R-E-T-T-I. You'll see all those wonderful uh, creations of books he's written which are uh, kind of standards for Rocky Mountain uh, gardening. So, uh, John, again, thank you for taking your time to spend with us here on the uh, on the program. So that's all she wrote for the show. Remember the podcast? Chris will put up the podcast of today's show within a, uh, an hour or two uh, after we go off the air in between watching the World Series, I'm sure. <laughs> so Chris will do that. Chris Moyer, thanks as always for your great uh, expertise in the uh, control room. So one, you Chris does a great job kind of behind the scenes, but couldn't do it without him. So uh, Couldn't do it without you, Chris. And we will see you next time. Remember, aroundthehouse.com during the week if you want to set up a little email dialogue. I'll kick things around with you. In the meantime, God bless. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time. Pray for Israel and peace in the Middle East. Next week, same time, same station, right here on Around the House. <laughs>